1: Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN 8:19 in the morning. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I'm Michelle Smallman. Dan McLaughlin is in for Randy Carricker today, and let's head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. And welcome in our friend, 101 ESPN Blues analyst. You hear him on the Blues play by play here on 101 ESPN. Joey Vitale, Joey, what's going on? How are you doing today?
0: Hey Michelle, doing doing wonderful. Wow, you know Randy's a tough a tough guy to fill in for, but if there's one guy that's up for the challenge, you guys found him, Danny Mac. How you doing, buddy?
2: Joey, I got to tell you, check is in the mail, and I appreciate <laughs> our new relationship as you as my agent, and uh, I think it's going to be fruitful going forward. Thank you very much.
0: There we go, off to a great start. Let's continue it. Uh, and uh, no, I'm ho- having a good morning. Having a good morning here. About to get a little workout in and. And boy, I tell you what, we were just we were just mentioning with Scott, the producer there, watching all kinds of sports last night. It, it felt a little little normal again. So that was that was fun to see,
2: Joey. But I got to ask you: Is forty percent a cut for an agent? Is that is that the norm <laughs> going these days?
0: You know, I was. I think my agent was at three percent. Oh, okay. Uh, his, his, that was Alain Watt, the Frenchie here in St. Louis, local guy, represents a lot of hockey players. Uh, I hung in tough with him at 3%. I was a tough negotiator. so You got Al to Watt. I didn't know there. Al was your guy. Alain Watt. I was one of his first guys. We sat out at Chesterfield. There was an IHOP off Boone's Crossing. I think it's still there. Yeah. And he met, he met me when I was 14 years old. He sat down with me. He met me at IHOP with my parents. And he said, you know, he basically gave me the spiel there was no, there was no hockey players in St. Louis. And uh, so I had no idea what I was getting into. I didn't even know what an agent did. I was heading to college. So technically he was my advisor. And I, all I remember is my dad was at breakfast and my dad runs a concrete company in town, VJ. And he was on his phone the entire time, constantly stepping away from the table, extremely rude, but for an Italian guy like my dad, there's nothing more important than pouring concrete. So that's how my first sit down with Alain Wall wow went, and he was patient enough to get through that. So I knew, I knew at that point he's probably my guy.
2: Awesome, I, l- I love Al. He's a good dude.
1: I love that story, Joey. I love that. Well, speaking of deals, the Blues made a signing yesterday. They re-signed Jacob De La Rose. That deal is going to pay him about 700K for the 2021 season. What was your reaction to that news?
0: You know, it's a great signing. It's a good depth signing. You're going to need guys like that. Uh, to, I believe that's going to be the league minimum for next year. Um, I, I love players like that because that's, that's how I made my career year after year, just kind of scraping from the bottom. But, you know, these teams need players like this, especially when you're up against a cap, which looks like the Blues will be again. And it's a terrific opportunity for Jacob Delarose. You know, I remember when my time in, in Pittsburgh there and, and Jason Botterill pretty much told guys like Jacob Delarose guys making league minimum, you know, it does up being up against the cap when this all kind of got implemented there in 13 um, teams need desperately players like this. So it's a tre- tremendous opportunity for Jacob to kind of go in there and do what he does. And we saw great hockey from him in the playoffs there. And I'll be the first one to say, I wasn't necessarily a Jacob Delarose fan heading into the bubble. Uh, Part of me, and I feel bad saying this, was I forgot that we actually had him on the roster because so much time was off. And then we got to Edmonton. I'm like, oh, my God, there's Jacob De La Rose, right? He gets in the games there. Craig Ruby used him a lot on faceoffs in the D zone especially. He was killing penalties. He got a great opportunity. Um, so for me, I believe what he did specifically in that bubble on a consistent night-in-night-out basis when other players weren't doing all that well uh, is what earned him that contract. So it was a great contract for him, and I'm looking forward to seeing him around next year.
2: Hey, Joey, do you think that if we start the season, whatever that may be, that the players would be at all receptive to begin the year in a bubble? Or do you think after what they've been through, they say, nah, we're, we're not going to do this. we got to start the season at our home cities and figure this thing out.
0: Well, I'm, I'm never going to say they would never do that because uh, at some point uh, you always have to make a compromise, right? Um, so if if it's going to be a situation where – you dig into their wallets or the owners are going to be digging into their wallets more and more and more. At some point you have to just say, you know, guys, we just got to play. But I really hope, Dan, I really hope it doesn't come to that. And I think it's going to take a long time before they come to that uh, understanding where the players are going to be okay coming into the bubble. And I only say that because of, I'm looking at uh, the Dallas stars and the Vegas golden Knights who are still there right now The you know, the Islanders, Tampa Bay Lightning, they're still there. I feel like the blues lost like eight months ago right but that was it was so it was so recently but it just seems like time is just standing still up there in this bubble and i know there was a very hard sacrifice for a lot of these players i mean you look at the videos of the players coming home seeing their kids seeing their dogs i mean it was it was a tremendous sacrifice being away from them being stuck in this kind of concrete jungle of a hotel and a and a ice rink up there, up there in edmonton they weren't allowed to do all that much uh, some stuff was kind of promised that got kind of pulled back from the league just from a safety standpoint so you understand it and the players understand it But this was difficult. I mean, this is a a quality of life thing we're talking about here. These players love the sport. They love making money playing the sport, and it's all really great. But when you start pulling away their quality of life like these bubbles have done, um, for a month, two months, okay, but you can't expect these players to be doing this thing um, starting next season. And, And quite frankly, hockey to me will not survive in a bubble anyway because, you know, the hockey is different than the NFL and baseball. So much of the reno, reno, excuse me, uh, revenue is generated through people coming into the building. It's ticket sales. It's, it's concessions. It's buying jerseys from the, the gift shop. I mean, that's, that's where hockey makes its money. So for hockey to be back, um, it's got to be done responsibly, of course, but they need people in those buildings. And Gary Bettman is going to try to get an 82-game uh, season next year. But if it comes down to it, 65-70, if you start in February, so be it. But people have got to be in those in those buildings for hockey to really um, keep their head above water moving forward.
1: Joey, speaking of money, we, of course, have to ask you about Alex Petrangelo. What do you think about the timeline here? As more time passes, do you get a little more nervous that this deal might not get worked out and that Petro might be fielding other offers or considering other things? Or do you think this is something that could stretch well beyond the next few months and that fans here in St. Louis shouldn't worry about that?
0: You know, I, I don't believe it's going to happen anytime soon. I think it's going to come down, you know, to the very, very end. And I think because Alex uh, Alex and his group know that, they know that they hold the cards, they know they have the leverage, and Doug Armstrong um, can be stubborn at times in a positive way where I think that th- this thing is going to go down to the 11th hour there. Um, you know, you, you got to look at a lot of personnel. Uh, look at Alex Petrangelo's group. You know, he's with Newport Agency. Uh, Newport also represents Jaden Schwartz. You look at all the contracts between jaden schwartz and alex petrangelo over their tenure here in st louis all those contracts have have dragged into training camp so this is a um i guess for better lack of a better word it's kind of a stubborn group where they believe in their players, and they're going to get every penny out of them that they can. You know, Flip it to the other side, Braden Shen, who was with Newport for a while, he ended up switching agencies last year, and as soon as he switched agencies, he signed that great extension. So, Newport, Doug Armstrong, whatever, I'm not sure exactly what the, the depths of the relationship, the history of the relationship, all I know is, based off of facts of how things have gotten done with this group and Doug, things have really kind of dragged on, dragged on um, to the very last minute. So, I don't anticipate this going any differently. I think this is a situation, a contract that Will go the distance, uh, maybe even a night before uh, free agency opens up if they can get it done. You know, you look at some of the fence defensemen out there, the Drew Dowdies of the world. Eric Carlson's making near ten million dollars, even more. I think Dowdy's at eleven. Uh, Alex doesn't want that kind of money, or do I think he deserves that kind of money? Does does he deserve Roman yossi money? I absolutely believe he deserves Roman yossi money, which is nine million dollars. Now, the only problem is we get, we're into this doggone pandemic. and and things are just kind of all squirrely now with the cap. So it's not going to be quite that. It's a lot of pride right now. Who's going to put their pride aside? Who's going to do what they can do with term money-wise? Can they front-load it in a a, a way that will help Petrangelo? Uh, A lot can still be done, but uh, to answer your question, Michelle, I do believe it's going to be something that's going to be dragged on and on and on probably to the night or day or two before our free agency opens up, if Doug can get it done.
2: Joey, I, I know you talked to a lot of veterans still in the game, and during the, the pandemic, and I, I talked to some of the, the veterans in baseball, uh, they, they went home after spring training, and they got a little taste of what retirement may be like. And I don't know if it came from their wives saying, hey, get the heck out of here. Or they said, you know what, I still like baseball and I I got a taste of what it might be like without it. I still got a burning desire to play this game. What are hockey players saying about, you know what, I still really have that burning desire to play. I thought I might want to retire or at least have that itch to say, you know, it's time to hang up the skates. But now that I got a taste of what it might be like, I... I really want to continue to play. What what the what's the the feeling about that? Those guys that were on the fence of maybe retiring or or coming back for a year or two.
0: Well, I mean, the, the answer to your question, and I'm sure it's the same for for baseball, Dan. But um, the thing that you talk to veterans about, the thing that I miss the most, the thing I loved about hockey the most, and what a lot of these players love the most, and it, it's such a it's such a hidden undercurrent where you don't even realize it when you're playing. Being but in the I, locker you know, room, I bet. Being in the locker room and being a kid—you you took the words right out my mouth. This, See, this is why you and me work really well together, Dan. Uh, if I knew if I knew anything about baseball, I'd be, I'd be kicking that BT aside on a couple kicking in a couple of years here. But no, um, they they miss the locker room and they missed they missed everything about being about being a kid. I mean, we had ping pong games, we did stuff in the lab. I mean, I, I we get to the rink three hours before just to have a cup of coffee and read the pa- paper and cheat on crossword puzzles, and we're in our thirties. I mean, you can't do that anymore when you're 30 in the real world. So, so that's what players miss. They miss, they miss the ability um, to stay a kid for as long as possible. And, and we're around the Bobby Plagers and the Brett Halls and the Chris Thorburns, the Chris Butlers, and you talk to them, and you just, they're so infectious, and they're, just, they're so great to talk to. And why is that? Because they're a kid stuck in the body. That's why people love them so much, because they really never grew up. And I think that's what hockey does for players, and that's what baseball probably does for baseball players and football for football players. It keeps you in that kid mind frame. You're curious. That's why we love, we love kids. You know, I just had my fourth baby. I pick her out of the crib this morning, you know, and she's looking around. She's amazed by the chandelier. And then we go down the stairs, she's amazed by the stairs. And then she sees our dog. And then she's amazed, even though she knows our dog for the last six months, she's still amazed, right, because kids have this amazing curiosity about life. And that's why we love being around kids because of that curiosity. It kind of reignites it in in, in adults. And that's why hockey players are so infectious in my mind, because they kind of got that kid-like spirit where they're so curious and they're so interested in, in the stupid little silly games that you you can do make up uh, throughout the day and the conversations or the hypothetical questions or the, would you rather questions at at a dinner table that no adults would ever want to talk about, or even go down that road, but they can do it because they're so used to just being the hockey kid. They've been their entire life. So to me, that, that is what makes hockey so great. That is what makes these players miss the game so much. and that's what's going to make them inevitably in the next couple of years probably probably have to absorb a, a hit here or there, but to ultimately get back on the ice where they love they love the game so much because I'm telling you right now you want to continue to do this thing as long as possible and as long as your body will keep up with it.
1: I didn't realize, Joey, that professional hockey players were essentially Tom Hanks and big.
0: You you know what? It's a really good movie reference. You know? you know, we were my kids and I. We were actually I'm getting on a Tom Hanks uh, run right now, Michelle. It's a really nice. good point. Big big is crazy good. We just finished Forrest Gump. I've had to fast-forward through a couple parts there where Jenny you know, yeah. Jenny went through that really tough phase. You know? mm-hmm. And, and yeah. listen, I think not grow up in the 70s. Uh, I think, Dan, you, you, you may miss the 70s too. But you know, I, I can only assume with Vietnam and everything, I mean, Jenny, Jenny had a rough go. But at the same time, you know, it made some bad decisions. Kids need to learn that too. But my kids are <laughs> a little too young for that right now, so we're just going to move on.
2: I did have exciting news though this morning, Joey. It pertains to my—I have three dogs, and I—I I did uh, find my three-legged dog. So that was exciting news for us this morning in our family. He—he he was lost. I, I just want to let you know that you were talking about your dog. Well, I—we our family found our three-legged dog. So that was exciting.
1: Congrats, Dan. It-
0: if, if you have a three-legged dog that I do. got lost and you recovered it, I mean, to me, that is just that's a survivor. It, that's just a survivor. Oh, he's right a
2: scrapper. There. I'm telling you, man. This guy, man, he's got – I got a cat, too, but this guy's got nine lives. So it's amazing.
0: If, if, I ever, if I'm ever in a fight in an alley, I'm calling you to bring your dog with me because he sounds like a survivor. He's, he's like unbelievable.
2: Valpoa. Joey, he's unbelievable. It's what a, did it's
0: you name a, him, by the way? You had to give him a solid name.
2: Junior. So my son right. my son found him uh, he was in a trash can he was he was all just bones he was he was probably 2 days away from dying and found him he was left abandoned he had been hit by a car and my son brought him in and said we got to take him home and so we brought him home and um he was a little puppy and so I'm giving you the whole story. I, I I want to try to make you cry, even at the Jenny part in um, Forrest Gump here, and uh, and so we brought him home and we nursed him back to care. And his his poor leg had to be amputated, but the the vet said he won't even know the difference. He said it'll be fine. He'll be fine. And he's the uh, he's the fastest of my three uh, dogs, and he's got three legs.
0: Uh, there you go. Because he probably is overcompensating. You know, that's not like my dad too. My my grandpa. He grew up in Sicily. He he grew up with nothing, and he people always ask, you know, you were so poor. He goes, we never knew we were poor, and that's like little Junior. Junior yeah. probably doesn't even realize he has like. But you know, that's a solid name for a scrapper. Because I don't know if you ever watch those movies, The Problem Child. You ever see those movies, The oh, yeah. Problem Child? Yeah. Junior wasn't that, wasn't that the kid's name? He was a scrapper.
2: He was a total scrapper. Yeah, this yeah. guy, and he, he really. Uh, and a couple of nights ago, he brought in a bunny to us to for uh, sacrifice. So that oh. was really nice too. Oh, okay. he, Man, uh... he he cares.
0: Um, and, and you know what? I feel bad saying this too, but nothing gets me, makes me laugh in a positive <laughs> way. I don't want to make not only people sound bad here, but whenever you have a dog that's missing two legs and they got them on those wheelchairs where the front two legs are going, and the back two legs are on that wheelchair. Uh-huh. I mean, I, 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 I laugh every time, but it, it's a good laugh. Like I'm so happy they're alive and happy and running and, and they have no idea that they're carrying around this like 10 pound wheelchair behind them and that's what's getting them around. Joey,
2: you're a beauty. I got to tell yeah. you, you look at the positive of life, and that's what I try to do, too.
1: That's right. They're thriving, Joey. I love that perspective.
0: Yes. Hey, man, this, this, is, this is the highlight of my week, Dan. You will learn that. Me, Randy, Michelle, we just we hot stove it for 20 minutes. <laughs> I, I, sometimes feel, I sometimes feel like I'm not on the air, and that could can, that can trip me up, and that's when HR calls me, but it's all good.
2: Got to be careful, baby. Got to be careful. Yeah.
0: I, I you guys bet. have a wonderful weekend.
2: The check's in the mail, 40%. I'm happy to, to make that check.
0: <laughs> have a good one, you too.
1: Thanks, you Joey. Too. You're the best. That's Joey Vitale, our Blues analyst here on 101 ESPN. And coming up next, it's another Danny Uh-oh. Mac edition of The Fight. He is 3-0 and this week. Undefeated. How tough are these?
2: What, what do you got?
1: Undefeated. They're pretty tough.
2: Really? Yeah. All right. I'll be ready. All right. I'm he's, out.
1: He's heading to the hallway. The Fight is next here on 101 ESPN.